Welcome to HCMA Off the Record, your behind-the-scenes look and listen into the world of emergency management. This podcast is brought to you by Muriel Bowser, Mayor of Washington, D.C., and the District of Columbia Homeland Security and Emergency Management Agency. From preparedness tips to intra-agency coordination to advice from the men and women responsible for protecting the district, HCMA Off the Record shares it all. Whether you're an EM nerd like us or learning about emergency management for the first time, come along for the ride. All right, after a five-month hiatus, I'm excited to welcome you back to HCMA Off the Record. My name is Clint Osborne, and I'll be your host today. I'm HCMA's Chief of Operations, and I'm excited to re-kick off our podcast. Over the past few months, HCMA's focus has been on the district response to COVID-19. While the pandemic has certainly changed the way we go about our daily lives, it's going to take a lot more than a pandemic to stop Mother Nature. The 2020 Atlantic hurricane season has begun. In fact, it's been wild, one of the busiest we've had on record. And DC, uh, the time to prepare is now. In today's episode, we'll focus on getting your households and businesses prepared for the potential hurricane season uh, and all the hazards that that can bring. With that said, let me reintroduce to you our guest, Chris Strong. Uh, Chris joins us for, uh, joined us for a podcast episode late last year, and we're excited to welcome him back. For our newer listeners, Chris is a, a national treasurer who works at uh, the warning coordination works as the warning coordination meteorologist at the National Weather Service's Baltimore, Washington forecast office. He helps connect the National Weather Service forecasts and warnings with the community. And as part of that role, Chris meets and develops relationships with the National Weather Service, broadcast media, and state and local governments like us. Chris will be sharing some of his expertise with us and as we discuss what the 2020 hurricane season means for the district and the importance of preparing ahead of time. So uh, thanks for uh, joining us, Chris. We really appreciate appreciate having you here. Oh, it's great to be here. And it is a great partnership between the National Weather Service and HCMA and uh, the district. So it's great to be on today. It's our pleasure to have you. So let's jump right in. Um, last month, we saw that NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, mouthful there, released an updated 2020 Atlantic hurricane season outlook. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about what that means and what we can expect to see for the remainder of the hurricane season? Sure. So the National Weather Service, which is a, one of the parts of, of NOAA in government, um, we're always looking ahead to what the next big weather threats are. And it has been the expectation for a while that we'll have a hyperactive hurricane season in the Atlantic Basin this year, and it looks like that's going to continue. Um, we've got a brief break here, it looks like, in the uh, the tail end of September, but hurricane season goes all the way through November. we got many weeks left of, of uh, I think, a, a lot of activity in the Atlantic Basin. So to that, it just matters if any of those uh, storms come our way, which is really what we'll be watching, one of the things we'll be watching in the weeks ahead. Right, right. And one of the things we always talk about, one of our big potential hazards in the district is is during hurricane season and even um, outside of hurricane season or heavy raids is storm surge flooding and inland flooding from heavy rains. We saw some of that just a couple of weeks ago on September 10th. And um, what are some of the steps that listeners can take to protect themselves and reduce property damage uh, in their homes and businesses? Yeah, flooding is, is a big source of fatalities, a big source of damage across the country and, and in the district. So there's a few things that people can do to really protect themselves from flooding. First of all, in a place like the district, if you have tidal exposure, if you're along a tidal shore of the Potomac, the Anacostia, or any of it, the estuaries that uh, rise and fall during the day, 
you have to watch out for that storm surge that can come with some of these uh, hurricanes and tropical storms. Uh, the biggest example of that in our generation would be probably uh, uh, when uh, Isabel in the, in the early 2000s came up and produced the, the tidal surge really of, of our generation from that. Um, but that's a limited base of people that have you know, property or, or right along the tidal shores that can get flooded by that. The bigger threat for a more widespread part of the district is from rainfall flooding, which we saw, like you were saying, last month. And and uh, uh, and uh, we also saw last year as well with tremendous rainstorms that can drop just phenomenal amounts of rain in a short period of time and flood low-lying areas, bring streams and creeks up, turn some streets into you know rivers of white water going down if they get enough rain. Um, so... Um, Knowing, I guess, if, if you're in one of these flood-prone areas and you can check uh, FEMA flood maps, you can uh, check with uh, uh, emergency management and, and some of the, the district agencies to find out if you're in a flood-prone area. Um, that's a big first step. Um, I think a, a big thing that I always tell my friends and family is if you're driving around and it's a flood day, like you, you're seeing that flood, flash flood warnings are going out, you know, you're getting those warnings, some, a large case across your phone. Just be very cautious driving around, even the district, um, you know, from from one side to the other, because rainfall can be so targeted and so localized that you can drive from an area where it's just raining the usual stuff to you drive to more increasingly dire amounts of, of uh, water washing around, white water. It, it really doesn't take a lot of that to uh, to wash your car away with you in it, to knock people off their feet. You know, water is just a, a very powerful force. So just being aware of when we're in these flooding situations, um, staying on higher ground, not driving down into places like Rock Creek where, where there can be problems uh, very quickly. Um, those are all good first steps. Um, but a lot of it just comes down to, to awareness and, and being aware when we're having flooding situations like that. Yeah. And we saw that just a couple of weeks ago where we had not just the overland flooding, uh, the inland flooding where the water was hitting the surface and and flooding on the surface, but also uh, the 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 water system just couldn't keep up. Like you said, it was so much water so fast in such a short period of time that the water had nowhere to go from the street level. And um, what we ended up seeing was a lot of our uh, a lot of residences with with sewer backups and with uh, water coming in through um, windows and and back doors and basements and things like that. So um, certainly a major issue that we have to contend with. Any major city, it's really, you know, you get an inch of, of rain in an hour, it starts to cause problems. And some of these big rainstorms that we've been seeing uh, in recent years, you can get two or three inches of rain in an hour. And, you know, problems escalate very quickly when you get that amount of rain. Yeah, it was really, really pretty epic to, to be out there on, on that Thursday. Um, what about high winds? Uh, high winds we know can cause havoc across a, a, a city like uh, like D.C., what are some of the other potential dangers caused by high winds that, that come along with some of those hurricane threats that we face? So specifically with hurricanes, the wind threat is usually the first threat to, to uh, start to degrade pretty quickly once the storm, the center of the storm makes landfall. So for a storm that hits Louisiana or the deep south and then comes up our way, it's usually the rain is the bigger problem because, again, the winds start to fall apart pretty quickly once it makes landfall. But when we do once again get a, a landfalling hurricane in the mid-Atlantic, kind of like Sandy was for New York and New Jersey, um, winds can be a phenomenal uh, damaging thing for, for our area. And it's because 
you know, if you're down in Florida, if you're down in the South, you have palm trees, you have vegetation that's built to sustain and, and withstand that kind of uh, wind. But when you're up here in the mid-Atlantic and further up north, it, it takes less wind to cause more damage, more tree damage. Um, so uh, that's usually the, the biggest things we see with wind is trees getting knocked down, trees into homes, trees over roads, trees knocking down the power grid in, in areas. Um, and then we get more extreme wind situations like it is rare but not impossible. That's when you can start to have uh, you know weaker structures even getting blown down and, and things like that. Switching gears a little bit, we've talked enough about us. Let's talk about you guys a little bit. Um, at HSEMA, our mission is to work closely with district, federal, and regional partners to ensure the District of Columbia is prepared to prevent, respond to, and recover from all of our threats and hazards, which obviously includes natural disasters such as hurricanes. Um, can you touch on some of the ways that the National Weather Service helps local governments like us in the district accomplish this mission? And I think one of the other things that would be really interesting for our listeners is talk a little bit about how big the area is and some of the challenges you guys face with having a forecast for a, for a storm event that could impact us very differently than it impacts some of our neighbors in our more uh, rural counties around us. Sure. So the National Weather Service is you know, a national government entity, and it's in charge of watching out for weather threats to the entire country. But in doing that, it breaks, we, we break it down into 122 different forecast areas within the country. I work at the forecast and warning office that serves our little mid-Atlantic part of the Baltimore-Washington part of the country. But we do have you know, a pretty broad and diverse area that stretches from the uh, tidal areas of, of Southern Maryland up to Bel Air, Baltimore area, but then west all the way to the mountain, the Appalachian Mountains, uh, and elevations that are up to 5,000 feet high. So um, there is a lot of weather variety, especially when we get to winter, but, uh, you know, just in general across that area. Um, but, you know, when we do have that spe- specific area that we're interested in and we're trying to warn people for, we have to stay on top of knowing what weather threats are coming and give, giving giving as much advance notice and then disseminating that through the community as quickly as we can. And that's done by having the relationships to do that with the broadcasters, with emergency management, um, with the, the states and the counties and districts of Columbia um, to be able to spread that information as quickly as possible, because sometimes you'll have seven days of advance notice that there's a, a big storm coming from the Atlantic or maybe a, a big winter storm that we have multiple days of advance notice on. But then there's also those flash floods that come out in targeted areas or tornadoes where, you know, you have a few minutes of advance notice. Um, so whatever amount of advance notice we can give, we'll get that out to the community. A big part of that is emergency management. Um, and, and they're really in our, our springboard into the community because they have a lot of the local ties within the district that can, you know, we, we can get the information to them. They can get, you know, spread it out through the rest of uh, district government and through the citizens. Um, so we do often have uh, re- reach out and have, you know, impromptu conference calls, or if it's a, an event that's going to take multiple days of advance notice, you know, we'll set up routine conference calls to keep everybody informed in district government um, and in the district itself. Um, because, we don't want to just see something coming and be right about it. We want to make sure that the community is uh, as resilient to that event as, as possible. And that's why, you know, you do that by letting everybody know about it, letting them prepare um, and doing the best they can to keep themselves safe. And a big part of that is our coordination with uh, DCH, SEMA and the district government. 
Yeah, and it's it's really um, it's really amazing how we can call any time of day during an like you said we could have an incident with no notice we could have an incident with multiple days notice and it really doesn't matter who which forecaster we get um, we're going to get a really good report we lead all of our calls off with your folks giving us the weather update because that situational assessment is a huge part of what all of our agencies and all of our partners are going to be looking to make their decisions on. Um, and, and, you know, just being able to come back to the same office and regardless of who we get on the phone, get the same sort of voice and tone and narrative is super helpful for us because all of our folks on our side get used to hearing that and get used to making decisions off of that. Um, one of the things I want to uh, wanted to ask you about is you talked about you know, getting the message out and, and you guys can send alert messages out directly to subscribers as well as through the wireless emergency alert system. But, um, you know, in terms of thinking through for a, for a resident or a, or a community member, um, how can our local community members, families and small businesses create their own emergency plans in case of a natural disaster such as hurricane and flooding? What kind of advice would you guys give to folks? Uh, the two things I always impress upon people is have a way to get weather warnings quickly from the National Weather Service. And some of them come across to everybody's cell phones on the wireless emergency alert system. But that's really only a very small part. That's really only for tornadoes and flash flooding. Um, for the rest of it, um, you can get uh, our, our warnings through the FEMA uh, phone app, through uh, Red Cross emergency app, um, getting information uh, from HCMA, uh, uh, from the National Weather Service. Um, being informed, of course, is one big piece of the puzzle. And then the second thing is, all right, once you're informed, what are you going to do about that? And a big part of that is having a plan for what you're going to do, having a kit to keep you and your family independent and ready to be self-sustaining for a few days while everything gets back on its feet, as sometimes is needed in some of these really big weather events. You know, it's not, it's not, the, not the routine thunderstorm that comes through. It's not the... Um, you know, tropical storm that knocks some trees down and knocks the power out. There are the big things we really worry about. It's it's the once in a lifetime things that come through and really set a, a society and in an area back. And those are the types of things we really need to be ready for. And that's, you know, having your kit that you can get put together at ready.gov. Um, there's even a ready.gov for kids. You can get the kids involved. Um, but, you know, getting the information about, you know, the, the weather threats in, in my case that are coming and then having a, a plan for your family, for yourself, for your business um, with, with materials to keep yourself self-sustaining. That's really the biggest things. Yeah. And shameless plug, we also have ready.dc.gov, which gives a little bit more tailored information uh, from from all of the sources that we run across. And we, we specifically have a hurricane page on that. Um, Chris, you mentioned those once in a lifetime things. And I think certainly COVID-19 is a whole, knock on wood, one of those once in a lifetime things. Um, and I think it changes, it changes uh, a lot of the ways we've done business. You and I are both talking remotely where in the past we might've gotten together. I might've driven out to your offices and I might've brought you a sandwich and we could have, we could have done this together, but here we are remotely like a lot of people are. So like, how are you guys approaching at the national weather service? Um, how are you guys approaching how you do business and did it change or does it change the way you work through hurricane season this year? Um, in our operations, we always have a team of forecasters that's in the office uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And that hasn't changed um, where we've scaled back to, to keep 
less people in, in the office and more social distancing is, uh, is by having management limited, uh, more working at home, having our electronic staff working at home when possible. Um, and through that, we've been able to limit the amount of people that are in our office while still doing what we do, because there's a, a big part of the the forecasts and warning services that we do that we have to be on our systems at work for and, and uh, we can't do from home. But you know, some of the administrative stuff, the outreach, things like this, uh, we can do from home. And that's where we're making inroads there to keep everybody safe. Yeah, and I think a lot of our, you know, a lot of our messaging around how to take uh, your traditional family level plans and and um, customize them for COVID, things like keeping extra face masks and extra hand sanitizer and cleaning supplies on hand. Um, it's part of, I think it's really become part of how everybody goes about their lives. And uh, sometimes if, if, if your emergency kit only comes out on a regular basis to check it out, you may forget to do that stuff. So we've also been pushing the message, just like you all and we have been making changes to our operations, families and communities and businesses um, should be making changes to their, uh, to their operations. Um, one question I want to ask are what, like, so what are, given all that, um, given the environment we're in, what are the top three tips or resources that you'd suggest for staying aware and staying ahead during hurricane season? Um, there's uh, many, you know, everybody always has their phone on unless, you know, every, that's pretty true across society. So that, that's a great first step um, is getting a phone app. And one of the things the weather service does is, is partner with the, the private sector. We don't try to do it all ourselves. So um, there are many different phone apps out there that can get National Weather Service weather warnings uh, to your phone for your specific area that can, you know, if you want to turn your geo location on, it can follow you unless you know if you're driving into one. Um, so there's a lot of different opportunities for that. Uh, and the federal government, like I was saying, the uh, the FEMA phone app and the, the Red Cross uh, emergency phone app also do that as well. Um, if, if you have a favorite, you know, for the public out there, if you have a favorite broadcaster that you follow, a lot of them will have uh, phone apps as well that can pipe National Weather Service weather warnings uh, right to your, your phone as well. So there's there's no shortage of ways in this age of communication to get information. Um, one of the things you talk about in disasters is sometimes that technology is not always, you know, there. And you really have to have sometimes more battle-hardened things that don't go down as soon as, uh, you know, the, the first trees start coming down and knocking things over. So weather radio, national weather, uh, no weather radio, which has been around for, you know, years and years and years, uh, it's still available. Uh, people still have that. You can pl- uh, program in the district itself uh, just so you get weather warnings for the district. And it's a great way to have uh, weather warnings get to you in another way because you never want a single point of failure you know your phone runs out of battery and you don't you know you missed a tornado warning that's coming through so it's always good to have a little bit of redundancy built into everything you do yeah absolutely that's perfect and again shameless plug uh our hcma app which you can you can download from the uh app store the google play store uh also you can go to hsema hsema.dc.gov slash app and it'll point you to that um it also has all of our app information is based, uh, is loaded straight to our website. So, um, awesome. Awesome. Well, that about wraps up the time we have today, Chris, thanks so much for joining us and thanks to your team for being, um, essential workers and essential part of our team and an extended part of the, the, the family here at HCMA and a valued uh, member of the public safety community at, at large. Um, uh, and thanks for making the time to get back on the horse with us for this first episode, since we started responding to COVID-19, 
Uh, and, a, and an even bigger thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Uh, we hope that today's episode gave you some additional information to help you prepare for hurricane season. Uh, and remember to visit ready.dc.gov hurricane for tips on what to do before, during, and after a hurricane. Thanks so much, and join us again in two weeks for our next episode of HCMA Off the Record. This podcast is brought to you by Muriel Bowser, Mayor of Washington, D.C., and the District of Columbia Homeland Security and Emergency Management Agency.